Section 55 of London Labour and the London Poor, Volume 2, by Henry Mayhew. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Gillian Hendry. Of the Rubbish Carters The public cleansing trade, I have before said, consists of as many divisions as there are distinct species of refuse to be removed, and these appear to be four. There is the house refuse, consisting of two different kinds, as one, the wet house refuse, or slops, and night soil, and two, the dry house refuse, or dust and soot. And there is the street refuse, also consisting of two distinct kinds, as three, the wet street refuse, or mud and dirt, and four, the dry street refuse, or rubbish. I now propose dealing with the labourers engaged in the collection and removal of the last-mentioned kind of refuse. Technologically, there are several varieties of rubbish, or rather dirt, for such appears to be the generic term, of which rubbish is strictly a species. Dirt, according to the understanding among the rubbish carters, would seem to consist of any solid earthy matter, which is of a useless or refuse character. This dirt the trade divides into two distinct kinds, namely, one, soft dirt, or refuse clay, of which dry dirt or refuse soil or mould is a variety. Two, hard dirt, or hard core, consisting of the refuse bricks, chimney pots, slates, and so on, when a house is pulled down, as well as the broken bottles, pans, pots, or crocks, and oyster shells, and so on, which form part of the contents of the dustman's cart. The phrase hard core, note, the core in this term may be a corruption of the Saxon car, a rock, rather than that which would at first suggest itself as its origin, namely the Latin core, the heart. Hard core would therefore mean hard rock-like rubbish, instead of lumps of rubbish having a hard nucleus or heart. End note. The phrase hardcore, then, seems strictly to mean all such refuse matter as will admit of being used as the foundation of roads, buildings, and so on. Rubbish, on the other hand, appears to be limited by the trade to dry dirt. Out of the trade, however, and etymologically speaking, it signifies all such dry and hard refuse matter as is rendered useless by wear and tear. Note, the term rubbish is a polite corruption of the original word rubbage, which is still used by uneducated people. Ish is an adjectival termination, as whitish, slavish, brutish, and so on, and is used only in connection with such substantives as are derived from adjectives, as English, Scottish, and so on, whereas the affix age is strictly substantival, as sewage, garbage, wharfage, and so on, and is found applied only to adjectives derived from substantives, as savage. A like polite corruption is found in the word pudding, which should be strictly pudden, P-U-D-D-E-N. The addition of the G is as gross a mistake as saying guarding for garden. There is no such verb as to pud, whence should come the substantival participle pudding, and the French word from which we derive our term is pudin without the G, like jardia, the root of our garden, end note. The term dirt, on the other hand, is generally applied to soft refuse matter, and dust, 
to dry refuse matter in a state of minute division, while slops is a generic term for all wet or liquid refuse matter. I shall here restrict the term rubbish to all that dry and hard refuse matter, which is the residuum of certain worn-out or used-up earthen commodities, as well as the surplus earth which is removed whenever excavations are made, either for the building of houses, the cutting of railways, the levelling of roads, the laying down of pipes or drains, and the sinking of wells. The commodities whose residuum goes to swell the annual supply of rubbish are generally of an earthy nature. Such commodities, as are made of fibrous or textile materials, go when used up chiefly to form manure, if of an animal nature, and to be converted into paper, if of a vegetable origin. The refuse materials of our woollen clothes, our old coats and trousers, are either torn to pieces and remanufactured into shoddy, or become the invigorators of our hop and other plants, whereas those of our linen or cotton garments, our old shirts and petticoats, form the materials of our books and letters, while our old ropes and so on are converted into either brown paper or oakum. Those commodities, on the other hand, which are made of leathern materials, become, when worn out, the ingredients of the prussiate of potash and other nitrogenized products, manufactured by our chemists. Our old wooden commodities, again, are used principally to kindle our fires, while the refuse of our fires themselves, whether the soot which is deposited in the chimney above, or the ashes which fall below, are employed mainly to increase the fertility of our land. Our worn-out metal commodities, on the other hand, are newly melted, and go to form fresh commodities when the metals are of the scarcer kind, as gold, silver, copper, brass, lead, and even iron, and when of the more common kind, as is the case with old tin, and occasionally iron vessels, they either become the ingredients in some of our chemical manufactures, or else, when formed of tin, are cut up into smaller and inferior commodities. Even the detritus of our streets is used as the soil of our market gardens. All this we have already seen, and we have now to deal more particularly with the refuse of the sole remaining materials, namely, those of an earthy kind, and out of which are made our bricks, our earthenware and porcelain, as well as our glass, plaster and stone commodities. What becomes of all these materials when the articles made of them are no longer fit for use? The old glass is, like the old metal, remelted and made into new commodities. Some broken bottles are used for the tops of walls as a protection against trespassers, and the old bricks, when sound, are employed again for inferior brickwork. But what becomes of the rest of the earthen materials, the unsound bricks or bats, the old plaster and mortar, the refuse slates and tiles and chimney-pots, the broken pans and dishes and other crocks, in a word, the potsherds and pansherds, as the rubbish-carters call them, what is done with these? Note, this is the Saxon scared, which means a shared, remnant or fragment, and is from the verb skeran, signifying both to shear and to share or divide. The low Dutch shard is a piece of pot, a fragment. End note. But rubbish, as we have seen, consists not only of refuse earthen commodities, 
but of refuse earth itself, such as the soil removed during excavations for the foundations of houses, for the cuttings of railways, the levelling of roads, the formation of parks, the laying down of pipes or drains, and the sinking of wells. For each and all of these operations there is necessarily a certain quantity of soil removed, and the question that naturally occurs to the mind is, what is done with it? There is moreover a third kind of rubbish, which, though having an animal origin, consists chiefly of earthy matter, and that is the shells of oysters and other shellfish. Whence go they, since these shells are of a comparatively indestructible nature, and thousands of such fish are consumed annually in the metropolis? What, the inquirer asks, becomes of the refuse bony coverings of such fish? Let us first, however, endeavour to estimate what quantity of each of these three kinds of rubbish is annually produced in London, beginning with the refuse earthen commodities. There is no published account of the quantity of crockery ware annually manufactured in this country. Mr. McCulloch tells us, It is estimated that the value of the various sorts of earthenware produced at the potteries may amount to about £1,700,000 or £1,800,000 sterling a year, and that the earthenware produced at Worcester, Derby and other parts of the country may amount to about £850,000 or more, making the whole value of the manufacture £2,550,000 or £2,650,000 a year. What proportion of this quantity may fall to the share of the metropolis, and what proportion of the whole may be annually destroyed, I know of no means of judging. We must therefore go some other way to work, in order to arrive at the required information. Now it has been before shown that the quantity of dust, or dry refuse from houses, annually collected, amounts to 900,000 tons or children's yearly and I find on inquiry at the principal yards that the average quantity of potsherds and broken crockery is at the rate of about half a bushel to every load of dust, or say 1%, out of the entire quantity collected. At other yards I find the proportion of sherds to be about the same, so that we may fairly assume that the gross quantity of broken earthenware produced in London is in round numbers 9,000 loads or tons per annum. The shards run about 250 pieces to the bushel, and assuming every five of such pieces to be the remains of an entire article, there would be in each bushel the fragments of 50 earthenware vessels, and thus the total quantity of crockery ware destroyed yearly in the metropolis will amount to 18 million vessels. As to the quantity of refuse bricks, the number annually produced, which is between 1,500 million and 2,000 million will give us no knowledge of the quantity yearly converted into rubbish. In order to arrive at this, we must ascertain the number of houses pulled down in the course of the 12 month, and I find, by the returns of the Registrar-General, that the buildings removed between 1841 and 1851 have been as follows. Decrease in the number of houses throughout London between 1841 and 1851. St. Martin's, total decrease in 10 years, 116. Annual average decrease, 11.6. St. James's Westminster, total decrease, 130. Annual average decrease, 13.0. St. Giles's, total decrease, 181. 
Annual average decrease, 18.1. Strand, total decrease, 389. Annual average decrease, 38.9. Hoburn, total decrease, 86. Annual average decrease, 8.6. East London, total decrease, 11. Annual average decrease, 1.1. West London, total decrease, 265. Annual average decrease, 26.5. City of London, total decrease, 592. Annual average decrease, 59.2. Whitechapel, total decrease, 2. Annual average decrease, 0.2. St. Saviour's, Southwark, total decrease, 46. Annual average decrease, 4.6. St. Olaves, Total decrease, 158. Annual average decrease, 15.8. Total decrease of all areas in 10 years, 1,976. Total average decrease, 197.6. Thus, then, we perceive that there have been, upon an average, very nearly 200 houses annually pulled down in London within the last 10 years. And I find, on inquiry among those who are likely to be the best informed on such matters, that each house so pulled down will yield from 40 to 50 loads of rubbish, so that, altogether, the quantity of refuse, bricks, slates, tiles, chimney pots, and so on, annually produced in London, must be no less than 8,000 loads. But the above estimate refers only to those houses which have been pulled down and never rebuilt so that in order to arrive at the gross quantity of this kind of rubbish yearly produced in the metropolis, we must add to the preceding amount the quantity accruing from such houses as are pulled down and built up again, or newly fronted and repaired, which are by far the greater number. These, I find, may be estimated at between 5 and 10% of the gross number of houses in the metropolis. In some quarters, the older parts of London, for instance, the proportion is much higher, while in the suburbs, or newer districts, it is scarcely half per cent. Each of the houses so new-fronted or repaired may be said to yield, on an average, ten loads of rubbish, and at this rate the yearly quantity of refuse, bricks, mortar, and so on, proceeding from such a source, will be 150,000 loads per annum, so that the total amount of rubbish produced in London by the demolition and reparation of houses, would appear to be about 160,000 loads yearly. The quantity of refuse oyster shells may easily be found by the number of oysters annually sold in Billingsgate Market. These, from the returns which I obtained from the market salesman, and printed at page 63 of the first volume of this work, appear to be, in round numbers, 500 million and calculating that one-third of this quantity is sent into the country, the total number of shells remaining in the metropolis may be estimated at about 650 million. Reckoning then that 500 shells go to the bushel, the actual number was found experimentally to be between 525 and 550, and consequently that 20,000 are contained in every load we may conclude that the gross quantity of refuse oyster shells annually produced in London average somewhere about 30,000 loads. 
that this is an approximation to the true quantity there can be little doubt for on inquiry at one of the largest dust yards i was informed by the hillman that the quantity of oyster shells collected with the refuse dust from houses in the vicinity of shore ditch whitechapel and other localities at the east end of the metropolis averages six bushels to the load of dust about the west end however half a bushel or a bushel to each load is the average ratio while from the city there is none the house dust there being free of oyster shells in taking one district however with another i am assured that the average may be safely computed at two bushels of oyster shells to every three loads of dust hence as the gross amount of house dust is equal to nine hundred thousand tons or loads per annum the quantity of refuse oyster shells collected yearly by the dustman may be taken at fifteen thousand loads but besides these there is the quantity got rid of by the costermongers which seldom or never appear in the dustbins the costers sell about one hundred and twenty four million oysters per annum and thus the extra quantity of shells resulting from these means would be about twelve thousand four hundred loads so that the gross quantity of refuse oyster shells actually produced in london may be said to average between twenty five thousand and thirty thousand loads per annum there still remains the quantity of refuse earth to be calculated this may be estimated as follows one foundations of houses each house that is built requires the ground to be excavated from two to three yards deep the average area of each being about nine yards square this gives between one hundred and sixty and two hundred cubic yards of earth removed from the foundation of each house a cubic yard of earth is a load so that there are between one hundred and sixty and two hundred loads of earth displaced in the building of every new house the following statement shows the number of houses built throughout london between eighteen forty one and eighteen fifty one west districts total number of houses built in ten years nine thousand six hundred and twenty four average number of houses built per year nine hundred and sixty two point four north districts total number thirteen thousand seven hundred and seventy eight average number one thousand three hundred and seventy seven point eight central districts total number three hundred and forty nine average number thirty four point nine east districts total number eight thousand three hundred and forty three average number eight hundred and thirty four point three south districts total number fourteen thousand eight hundred and seven average number one thousand four hundred and eighty point seven total number of houses built in london in ten years forty six thousand nine hundred and one average number of houses built per year four thousand six hundred and ninety point one hence estimating the number of new houses built yearly in the metropolis at four thousand five hundred the total quantity of earth removed for the foundations of the buildings throughout london would be eight hundred thousand loads per annum two the cuttings of railways the railways formed within the area of the metropolis during the last ten years have been the great northern the camden town and bow the west india docks and bow and the north kent lines the extension of the southampton railway from vauxhall to waterloo bridge as well as the richmond line 
has also been formed within the same period, but for these no cuttings have been made. The railway cuttings made within the area of the metropolis proper during the last ten years have been to the following extent. Great Northern Railway Length of cutting, one and a half miles. Width of cutting at top, 12 yards. At bottom, 10 yards. Depth of cutting, 10 yards. Quantity of earth removed, 290,400 loads. Camden Town and Bow Railway Length of cutting, one and a half miles. Width of cutting, at top, 12 yards. At bottom, 10 yards. Depth of cutting, 10 yards. Quantity of earth removed, 290,400 loads. West India Docks and Bow Railway Length of cutting, 2 miles. Width of cutting, at top, 15 yards. At bottom, 10 yards. Depth of cutting, 12 yards. Quantity of earth removed, 528,000 loads. North Kent Railway Length of cutting, 2 miles. Width of cutting, at top, 15 yards, at bottom, 10 yards. Depth of cutting, 12 yards. Quantity of earth removed, 528,000 loads. Hence the gross quantity of earth removed from railway cuttings within the last 10 years has been 1,636,800 loads, or say in round numbers, 160,000 loads per annum. 3. The cutting of roads and streets. According to a return presented to Parliament, there were 200 miles of new streets formed within the Metropolitan Police District between the years 1839 to 1849. But in the formation of these, no earth has been taken away. On the contrary, a considerable quantity has been required for their construction. In the case of the lowering of Holborn Hill, that which was removed from the top was used to fill up the hollow. 4. The formation of parks. The only park that has been constructed during the last 10 years in the metropolis is Victoria Park, at the east end of the town. But I am informed that in the course of the works there, no earth was carted away, the soil which was removed from one part being used for the levelling of another. 5. Pipe and sewer works. The earth displaced in the course of these operations is usually put back into the ground whence it was taken, excepting in the formation of some new sewer, and then a certain proportion has to be carted away. Upon inquiry among those who are likely to be best informed, I am assured that 1,000 loads may be taken as the quantity carted away in the course of the last year. 6. Well sinking. In this there has been but little done. Those who are best informed assure me that within the last ten years no such works of any magnitude have been executed. The account as to the quantity of rubbish removed in London, then, stands thus. Refuse earthen materials, potsherds and pancherds, 9,000 loads per annum. Old bricks, tiles, slates, mortar, and so on, 160,000 loads per annum. Oyster shells, 25,000 loads per annum. Refuse earth. Foundations of houses, 800,000 loads per annum. Railway cuttings, 160,000 loads per annum. Pipe and sewer laying, 1,000 loads per annum. Total, 1,155,000 loads per annum. 
Thus, then, we perceive that the gross quantity of rubbish that has to be annually removed throughout the metropolis is upwards of one million loads per annum. Now, what is done with the vast amount of refuse matter? Whither is it carried? How is it disposed of? The rubbish from the house building or removing is of no value to the master carter and is shot gratuitously wherever there is the privilege of shooting it. This privilege, however, is very often usurped. Great quantities used to be shot in what were, until these last eight years, Bishop Bonner's fields, but now Victoria Park. At the present time, this sort of rubbish is often slyly deposited in localities generally known as the ruins, being places from which houses, and indeed streets, have been removed, and the sites left bare and vacant. But the main localities for the deposition of this kind of refuse are in the fields round about the metropolis. Each particular district appears to have its own special shoot, as it is called, for rubbish, of which the following are the principal. Rubbish shoots. The rubbish of Kensington and Chelsea is shot in the pottery grounds and Kensington fields. The rubbish of St George's, Hanover Square, Marylebone and Paddington is shot in the fields about Notting Hill and Kilburn. The rubbish of Westminster, Strand, Holborn, St. Martin's, St. Giles's, St. James's, Westminster, West London and Southwark is shot in Cubitt's fields at Millbank and Westminster Improvements. The rubbish of Hampstead is shot in the fields at back of Haverstock Hill. The rubbish of St. Pancras is shot in the Copenhagen fields. The rubbish of Islington, Clerkenwell and St. Luke's is shot in the Eagle Wharf Road and Shepherdess fields. The rubbish of East London and City is shot in the Haggerston fields. The rubbish of Whitechapel, St George's in the East and Stepney is shot in Stepney fields. The rubbish of Hackney, Bethnal Green and Shore Ditch is shot in the Bonkers Pond, Hackney Road. The rubbish of Poplar is shot in the fields at back of Newtown, Poplar. The rubbish of Bermondsey is shot in the Bermondsey fields. The rubbish of Newington, Camberwell and Lambeth is shot in Walworth Common and Kennington fields. The rubbish of Wandsworth is shot in Potter's Hole, Wandsworth Common. The rubbish of Greenwich and Lewisham is shot in Russia Common, near Lewisham. The rubbish of Rotherith is used for ballast. The quantity of rubbish annually shot in each of the above-mentioned localities appears to range from 5,000 up to as high as 30,000 and 40,000 loads. Of the earth removed in forming the foundation of new houses, between one-fourth and one-sixth of the whole is used to make the gardens at the back and the bed of the roads in front of them, while the entire quantity of the soil displaced in the execution of the cuttings of railways is carted away in the trucks of the company to form embankments in other places. Hence there would appear to be about from 160,000 to 200,000 loads of refuse bricks, potsherds, pansherds and oyster shells, and about 600,000 loads of refuse earth deposited every year in the fields or shoots in the vicinity of the metropolis. The refuse earth displaced in forming the foundations of houses is generally carted away by the builders' men, so that it is principally the refuse bricks and so on that the rubbish carters are engaged in removing. These they usually carry to the shoots already indicated, or to such other localities where the hard core may be needed for forming the foundation of roads 
or the rubbish be required for certain other purposes. The principal use to which the rubbish is put is for levelling, when the hollow part of any newly made road has to be filled up, or garden or lawn ground has to be levelled for a new mansion. Rubbish at one time was in demand for the ballasting of small coasting vessels. For such ballasting, tuppence a ton has to be paid to the corporation of the Trinity House. This rubbish has been used, but sometimes surreptitiously, for ballast, unmixed with other things. It is, however, light and inferior ballast, and occupies more space than the gravel ballast from the bed of the Thames. Suppose that a collier requires ballast to the extent of 60 tons. If house rubbish be used, it will occupy the hold to a greater height by about 10 inches than would the ballast derived from the bed of the Thames. The Thames ballast is supplied at one shilling a ton. The rubbish ballast, however, was only threepence to sixpence a ton, but now it is seldom used, unless to mix with manure, which might be considered too wet and soft, and likely to ferment on the voyage to a degree unpleasant even to the mariners used to such freights. The rubbish, I am told, checks the fermentation and gives consistency to the manure. I am assured by a tradesman who ships a considerable quantity of stable manure collected from the different mews of the metropolis that comparatively little rubbish is now used for ballast, unless in the way I have stated. Even for mixing, but a few tons a week are required up and down the river, and perhaps a small quantity from the wharfs on the several canals. Nothing was ever paid for the use of this rubbish as ballast, the carters being well satisfied to have the privilege of shooting it. Two of the principal shoots by the riverside were at Bell Wharf, Shadwell, and off Wapping Street. The rubbish off Rutherith, it will be seen, is mainly shot as ballast. The hard core is readily got rid of. Sometimes it is shot gratuitously, or merely with a small gratuity for beer to the men. But if it have to be carted three or four miles, it is from two shillings sixpence to three shillings a load. This is used for the foundations of houses, the groundwork of roads, and other purposes where a hard substratum is required. The hard core on a new road is usually about nine inches deep. There are, on an average, 20 miles of streets, 15 yards wide, formed annually in London. Hence, there would be upwards of 100,000 loads of hard core required for this purpose alone. Where the soil is of a gravelly nature, but little hard rubbish is needed. Oyster shells did form a much greater portion than they do now of the hard substratum of roads. Eight or nine years ago, the costermongers could sell their oyster shells for sixpence a bushel. Now they cannot, or do not, sell them at all. And the law not only forbids their deposit in any place whatever, but forbids their being scattered in the streets, under a penalty of five pounds. But as the same law provides no place where these shells may be deposited, the costermongers are in what one of them described to me as a quandary. One man, who with his wife kept two stalls in Tottenham Court Road, one for fish, fresh and dried, and for shellfish, and the other for fruit and vegetables, told me that he gave one of those poor long-legged fellows who were neither men nor boys, and who were always starving and hanging about for a tuppenny job, tuppence to carry away a hamper full of shells and get rid of them as he best could. Oh, where he put them, sir, said the man. I don't know. I wouldn't know. And I shouldn't have mentioned it to you, only I saw you last winter, 
and know you're inquiring for an honest purpose. Another costermonger, who has a large barrow of oysters and mussels, and sometimes of wet fish, near King's Cross, and at the junction of Leather Lane with Back Hill, Hatton Garden, was more communicative. "'If you'll walk on with me, sir,' he said, "'I'll show you where they're shot. You may mention my name if you like, sir. I don't care a damn for the crushers. Not a blessed damn.' He accordingly conducted me to a place which seemed adapted for the special purpose. At the foot of Saffron Hill and the adjacent streets runs the Fleet Ditch, now a branch of the common sewers, not covered over as in other parts, but open, noisome, and, as the dark water flows on, throwing up a sickening stench. The ditch is indifferently fenced, so that anyone with a little precaution may throw what he pleases into it. There, sir! said my companion. There's the place where more oyster shells is thrown than anywhere in London. They're thrown in in the dark. Assuredly, the great share of blame is not to those who avail themselves of such places for illegal purposes, but to those who leave such filthy receptacles available. The scattered oyster shells along all the approaches on both sides to this part of the open fleet ditch evince the use that is made of it in violation of the law. Many of the costers, however, keep the shells by them till they amount to several bushels, and then give the rubbish carters a few pence to dispose of them for them. Some of the costermongers, again, obtain leave to deposit their oyster shells in the dustman's yards, where quantities may be seen whitening the dingy dust heaps, and a large quantity are collected with the house dust and ashes, together with the broken crockery from the dustbins of the several houses. The oyster shells are carted away with the panchards and so on for the purposes I have mentioned. End of section fifty five.